First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't generate amusing holiday cards, but it will personalize career paths for your people and let you know which suppliers are best so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This is The New Way We Work from Fast Company Magazine, where we take listeners on a journey through the changing landscape of our work lives and explain exactly what we need to build the future we want. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor, Kate Davis. In April 2020, the national unemployment rate in the U.S. reached 14.8%. It was the highest rate observed since data collection began way back in 1948. It was due, of course, to national lockdown orders at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. But now, 18 months later, the U.S. is facing a very different labor crisis, the Great Resignation. A recent poll found that 95% of workers are at least contemplating a job change. So what happened? How did we go from record unemployment to labor shortages? Joining me to discuss what's really behind the great resignation is journalist and longtime Fast Company contributor, Stephanie Voza. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Kate. So you've written for Fast Company for nearly a decade. You've been covering everything workplace, everything about, you know, quitting your job, looking for a new job, career changes from both the employer and the employee perspective. So you, you're really kind of entrenched in, in this topic right now. And we've been hearing a lot about the great resignation. And we'll get into the why in a little bit. But I'm wondering if first you can just kind of quantify how widespread it is and if it's impacting like certain industries more than others. Sure. So according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the quit rate is what they call it. It hovers usually in your normal times right around 2%. But in April of 2021, it peaked at 2.7%, which is the highest rate it has ever been. During 2020, it dropped to 1.5%. So in bigger numbers, what that means is in July 2021, 4 million people quit their jobs. And there were 10.9 million jobs that were open at that time also. And both of these numbers are the highest they've ever been. And on top of that, a survey um, by Microsoft found that 40% of the global workforce would consider quitting their job. So not only are they doing it, they're also thinking about it. So that's really significant and such like a dramatic change in just a year. Four million people quitting their jobs. And, you know, we've heard a lot about these labor shortages and, you know, you said 10 million jobs open. Is it in certain industries more than other industries? It is. For one of my articles, I interviewed Aaron Stewart, and he's the co-founder of the job search site, job.com. He told me the biggest areas that are getting turnover include tech and healthcare. And if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, those people were the ones that were working a lot while other industries may have had to furlough or even let go of some of their um, staff. And so when it comes to tech, these people were the ones that when the workforce went remote, they were tasked with getting everybody up and running. And so they were working a lot of hours. And then healthcare, you know, it's pretty clear to think about that those people are just burned out. There was a nurse recruiting agency that reported that the turnover for RNs 
hit 18% in 2020, which is a huge amount um, of nurses that are leaving the workforce. The same is true um, with physicians as well. In fact, 36% are opting to retire early or just leave their practice completely. So people in those different um, areas are just burned out. I think that's really interesting. There's, you know, because you think about, you see all of these, you know, we're short-staffed postings and signs at at kind of every store and restaurant you go to. And so I think a lot of people maybe think, oh, the labor shortages are mostly in the service economy. And, you know, and maybe draw the line. It's because the wages are low. They're kind of hard jobs without flexible schedules, like all of kind of those things. And I think that's certainly a factor. But when you bring up that it's healthcare and tech and you bring up burnout, that makes so much sense. And that, you know, people retiring early, people just can't take it anymore. And I want to get a little bit more into this, why it's happening and, you know, why are some employees, you know, leaving and what are some of the common causes across the industries? I mean, I guess let's break it down. We've talked about burnout. There are also, I think, factors like a living wage, like childcare access. Yeah, for sure. So there's really three big reasons why people are leaving. So the first one is, During 2020, the quit rate actually dropped to about 1.5%. Since it normally hovers around two, that was fewer people um, deciding to leave their jobs. What happened is the people that would have quit during 2020 but were afraid to because they didn't know what was going to happen, those people are leaving now. And then another group that's leaving are the people that burned out, and they're really trying to figure out that work-life balance. This is mostly women. They took on the brunt of homeschooling and childcare while everything was shut down and they were trying to juggle work and family. And so women made up 56% of the quitting, but but they only make up 48% of the workforce. So clearly there are more women leaving. And then the final group of people that are leaving are those that got a little space from their job and decided, you know, I don't think this is what I want. They were either disenchanted with their work, their employer, they didn't feel supported while working from home. And so they're rethinking their goals. And so they're deciding, I want to make a change. So when you say those three reasons, I really feel like all of those three reasons, if you're a manager listening, are like, oh, those are things you can work to solve. It maybe feels a little daunting if the reason why your employee has to quit is lack of childcare access. You know, like as an employer, you might feel like, okay, how do I solve that? And there's certainly things that employers could do. But when you talk about being burnt out, needing more work-life balance, you were dissatisfied with your job to begin with. I think that's an interesting part that we don't hear a lot about when you said the quit rate went down in 2020. And that's part of why it went up in 2021 is you're right. Like if you had a job in 2020, you were holding on to it because you didn't know there was so much uncertainty. And so, yeah, there's some that is this moment in time. And you're right, there's some that's, you know, leftover residual from 2020. But yeah, all of those are things that an employer could solve. So if you're an employer and you're listening, what would you recommend or what have, you know, you found in your reporting that employers can do to help keep, retain those employees that might be thinking of quitting? Yeah, so they need to start to take action and they need to do it now. When I spoke to Aaron Stewart um, of job.com, he told me that there was a study that found if three of your close work colleagues decided to quit, 
you are at very high risk of leaving too. He calls it the turnover tsunami. So, you know, so what you have to do is really get ahead of it. If you haven't already, talk to your employees, find out what they want. Don't just create a everyone's going to return to work policy without getting their input. You also really have to consider offering flexible working arrangements, because if you don't, your company is going to be at the greatest risk of losing people. During the pandemic, we all learned that the office is not the only place where work can happen. And so it's really important to think and to get input from employees and see what they want. Then also look at your managers. You know, I've heard time and time again, employees don't quit companies, they quit their boss. And so you really have to look at your frontline managers. These are the ones that the employees are spending the most time with. They can make or break your retention rate and either offer training you know, get rid of toxic bosses, really help develop the managers that can help retain those employees. And then one more thing you can do is to really make it a priority to connect your employees to your mission and your values. I interviewed Cassie Whitlock, who is the head of HR for a software platform called Bamboo HR. And she said, when you help connect employees to your organization's purpose, you really give them a chance to make a difference. If they know what their job does, what the outcomes are, and if they can connect the dots between their role and a greater purpose, they're going to have more fulfillment in their role. And this is something you can do when you're recruiting as well. So all those people that are out there looking for a new job, they not only want money, but they want to find meaning and purpose. So if you can, in your recruiting, either on your um, your website, social media, share your mission and your values and start talking about what you're doing and, and why someone might want to join you, that's going to help out a lot too. So there's a couple of things that you just said that I'm listening to. I'm like, I have witnessed this and felt this both in you know workplaces that I've worked in and observed it and elsewhere, and the the first is the I forget what you called it the tsunami the like the turnover tsunami yeah yeah it, and it's weird it's it's such a phenomenon that happens that it seems to go in waves where a bunch of people all are resigning within a couple of months of each other and what's behind that once you see somebody else doing it it kind of like sparks the idea in yourself or it gives you like you know more of a push to do it like what's behind that. I think that's part of it. And I think it's also that, especially when everyone was in the office, you tend to develop that work family. Mm. And so when it starts to break up, you may feel less um, connection or belonging. Yeah. And so when those people start to leave, you maybe feel like there's nothing strong keeping you there. That is interesting. Yeah. I mean, and that old adage of you don't quit a job, you quit a boss is certainly true in such a big way of like, the people you work with can make a bad job bearable and a good job great. And so if you have a bad boss or leadership that's not hearing your needs, especially, you know, we've covered a lot too, right? Where that people would quit their job if they're forced to come back in the office, if they can't continue to work remote. But also, yeah, the people that you love to work with, and if they're not there anymore, then your job is less enjoyable. But and I, I also really connected to what you said about a sense of purpose and not to like toot fast companies horn on this. But when I think about fast company and, and I've been at fast company for almost eight years and a lot of people that I work with have been there for a very long time. And we do feel really connected to the mission of 
the publication. And I think, you know, if we just kind of felt eh about it, like, yeah, this is our job and it's fine. I think we wouldn't weather a lot of the storms of the media industry. You know, we would look elsewhere, but feeling really connected to like what I'm doing actually matters and is aligned with my personal values. And then, of course, money, you know, and like benefits and like all of the like stuff that the reason why you have a job too, you know. Right. I think people just want to feel valued. And so when an employer can make them feel like they're an important part of the bigger mission, as well as what's going on within the walls of the company, it really helps people feel connected. And so they'll be more likely to stay if that's the case. Yeah. And I think too, like viewed as a real person, I think, you know, the other thing that you touched on and that we talk about a lot is that you're not just like a cog in a machine or you're not like a replaceable headcount. You're like an actual person and that your manager and that your company understands, you know, the work-life balance part of it, the burnout part of it, the trying to do homeschooling and working at the same time. And, you know, you mentioned the percentage of women that have dropped out of the workforce, and that's huge. I mean, we've seen like women's career progress set back by some estimates 30 years because it's all falling on women to do all of the homeschooling and still maintain their jobs. And if your job doesn't understand that, isn't sympathetic to that, doesn't allow for your schedule to work around that, then yes, obviously you're going to leave. And obviously you don't feel valued and you don't feel seen. So back to the employee side of it, say you're in this position where you do want to keep your job. You don't want to quit, but your employer kind of isn't getting it. You you wrote a piece about how employees can negotiate with their employer instead of leaving. What can those employees do? Like, how do they go about that? Yeah. So the first thing that they really need to do is figure out why they want to leave. And so is it the role? Is it the hours? Is it the flexibility? Is it your boss? I mean, once you understand what's giving you that urge to leave, then you can figure out how to move forward, what you can ask for. So I interviewed Dr. Victoria Medvek, who wrote a book called Negotiate Without Fear. And she's also the co-founder of the Center for Executive Women at the Kellogg School of Management. But she says, you need to assume that your employer wants to keep you and wants a chance to keep you. And she also told me that women are more likely to leave without asking for what they want. So this puts you at risk of leaving on maybe not the greatest of terms because you didn't give your employer a chance. So you've got to figure out what it is that you want to change. And then instead of going in and saying, okay, you know, this is what I want, you can give it to me or I'm leaving, go in with some options. And this really sends the signal that you're looking to solve a problem instead of coming in with a bunch of demands. If you want to work from home, maybe go in and say, I would like to work from home. I would also consider working in the office two days a week. Just come up with a few different options. If you've decided that you really want to change roles, your best bet is going to be with your current employer. I interviewed a woman who transitioned from global head of internal auditing to the company's HR department. And she had served on her employer's DEI committee and decided she really liked HR and wanted to move into that different area. Well, with most companies, it would be hard to go from a position 
like auditing into HR without starting over. And so she says, because she had been at her company for several years and they knew her, they were more willing to give her a chance. And she said, there's no other company that will give you an opportunity like your current employer will. So if you've decided you wanna leave because you don't like your role, go into your current employer and see, you know, just be honest about what you're thinking and what you wanna do and see what they say. And I also think sometimes if we're burned out and that's why we want to lead, we have to realize the grass may not be greener on the other side. And I think we really owe it to ourselves to, you know, we say we're all looking for that work-life balance, but we seem to focus on uh, the work end of it as being the problem end of it. And so I think what we have to do is if we're feeling burned out, we really have to figure out how to protect our personal time. And then when we do that, how to also do things that um, will maximize that personal time that can give us that sense of fulfillment that we often look to from our jobs. Like I just recently started a project that I call my wow project. And so what that means is I'm trying to put more moments in my life that make me say wow. And so I think if we take the time to not only focus on fixing the work part, but also fixing on the life part, we get into a better sense of balance that can make us feel better about both sides. Yeah, there's a lot there that you just said. And I want to talk about the first thing a little bit that I think you're right. A lot of people don't think of when they're like, I'm unhappy in my job. They're never going to promote me. They don't value me. So I'm going to quit. I kind of feel like, what do you have to lose? Like if you've already decided that you're going to leave, because of X, why not ask for X? And if the worst thing they can say is no, and then you're going to leave anyways. You know, I, I think of a person I worked with years ago who was like, I'm never going to get promoted. I know I'm not going to get promoted. They don't view me that way. I'm going to quit. And when he quit, everybody was devastated. And he said that that was why. And I'm like, you should have asked, you know, like we didn't know you were dissatisfied to the point where you were going to leave. We didn't know that was the breaking point. And then it was too late. The job offer was accepted. He was already going to leave. And it was sad, I think, on both people's parts. And, and all it literally would have taken is saying, look, I'm dissatisfied. I feel in a rut. I need this in order to stay. Or, you know, like you said, like I'm at a breaking point. I'm burnt out. I cannot come into the office five days a week. This is my line in the sand. You know, I think when an employer hears, they think maybe, oh, this is what you want, but it's not that urgent or it's just a nice to have. Maybe you don't, you know, like express how dire it really is. And, you know, I like that prioritizing your personal time as well and like making those walls and those, I don't want to say demands, but kind of, you know, like this is what it's going to take. And, and from an employer side, they want to keep you. You know, I like that what you said, like assume that they want to keep you because mostly employers do. It's really expensive to hire a new person. It's a lot of training. It's all of that. And that's interesting too, what you said about finding a different position in the company. Like what was that line you said about like another company is never going to take a chance on you the way that your current company will? Yeah. And, and that's a great example that you gave of moving in departments, trying to prove yourself to somebody who doesn't know who you are versus people who have worked with you and know your skills and maybe can see that like transferable skills a bit more. So I want to like zoom back out again before we end and and look at what this moment in time, which is really unique. We started our, our conversation talking about these like record numbers. 
I don't think we've seen the great resignation, this kind of like mass quitting and job shortage exactly like this before in history. What do you think this moment is going to mean long-term across work life, across just like how we work and the landscape of work itself? Yeah, so I think it's going to mean a few things. I think it's going to create some things that are going to be some hurdles that I think could lead to something good in the long term. And so I think on a short-term perspective, you know, this is creating a skills gap that companies are going to have to overcome. There's people leaving and they're taking with them all the organizational knowledge that they've built up. And so they're going to have to figure out, they're going to really have to focus on training and getting people up to speed. And then I think for women, it's going to be tough because they're leaving in big numbers. And I read that one in four women are considering a downshift in their career. And so there was a study by, um, McKinsey that said it will take women an additional 18 months to regain what they lost if they decide to go back into the workforce. And so when they do return to work, they'll be 18 months behind. So I think those are the short-term impacts. I do think in the long term, it's giving a lot of people a chance to really get some space and decide what they really want to do. And so I think there's a lot of people that are deciding they want to work for themselves. The startup rate has boomed. People are, you know, deciding they've always wanted to start that business and now they have the space to do that. And so I think in a long term, I think people are figuring out that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so if you want to make a change, do it now. And that's what they're doing. Yeah. I think that this time has given us all perspective about what our priorities are. And I think, quite honestly, has really put the power in the hands of the employees. And, you know, there's we're seeing different types of labor movements happening across the U.S. And I think there's a lot of, you know, I don't want to paint too rosy of a picture. There's a lot of bad things labor-wise and, and work-wise that have come out of this. I think probably one of the biggest is the disparities between men and women and people of color in losing their jobs and quitting their jobs in setting their careers back. All of those bad things have happened, but the reprioritization of employees and the kind of demands of employees on employers that are quite frankly long overdue, I think is a really important lasting impact of this time. Stephanie Voza, freelancer and extraordinaire and contributor for Fast Company. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Kate. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. And that's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to The New Way We Work wherever you listen. And if you like this episode, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want to hear from you. Are you transitioning to a new job or career? Email us at podcast at fastcompany.com or tweet us with the hashtag New Way We Work. The New Way We Work is produced by Joshua Christensen. 